Amen. Matthew, the 14th chapter, and uh, I would invite you to join me there if you have your Bibles. I do want to say that I'm very cognizant of the fact that today is Daylight Savings Sunday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? Here's the truth. You better bring it on Daylight Savings Sunday. <laughs> you better... I told my wife on the front row when class was over, I said, y'all better bring it this morning. I'm going to have to get up there and resurrect some things. Praise God. It's only an hour, but boy, can you forevermore feel it. And uh, it doesn't help that uh, it was 75 this past week. And it's, what was the wind chill this morning was like 10 degrees, 12 degrees, something like that. It's cold as a mother-in-law's kiss. There's no doubt. <laughs> oh, how many of you love God's people? Amen. I do too. I love to be in the house of the Lord. I want to give you just a quick bump rundown if I can. This chapter is uh, exceeding powerful. Uh, John Baptist, Jesus' cousin, has been executed. And so Jesus feels like it's time for him to rest his mind a little bit. It tells you something when God manifests in the flesh, goes away to rest his mind. You have to guard your virtue. Amen. And he goes into the wilderness to rest. And when he gets there, ministry ends up happening. About 5,000 men and their wives and their children come. And so he does an amazing miracle. He takes what seems to be insufficient. And this really kind of preaches itself. I could just give you this introduction and let you go. But then you'd feel cheated on your offering today. So Jesus takes what seems to be insufficient, insignificant, five loaves, two fish. He blesses it. He breaks it. He multiplies it. He feeds the 5,000 men, their wives, their children. And then not only is he just a God that is sufficient, he is a God that is more than enough. Because they take up 12 baskets full of fragments. And they gather them up. When God gets finished with what's not enough in your life, you'll have more than enough. Because that's just how he works. Amen. And so they have just came through a miracle season where God has shown his great power. And the loaves and the fish have been multiplied. And then he tells his disciples in verse number 23, he had sent the multitudes away. He went up to a mountain apart to pray when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, I can't blame them, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus, and when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. I'm beginning to see myself in this story now. 
beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And what's, I like this word. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Amen. Let's pray. God, we need you today. Your word is forever settled in heaven. It's anointed. It's powerful. There's nothing in this world like the power of your word. It's good seed, Lord. It's always good seed. And so today, I'm asking you for good soil. I pray that the word of God would find a place to take deep root in our hearts and our lives I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be glorified by everything that's said and done in this house in Jesus' mighty name. And let the church say amen. amen. It would make me feel better right now if you'd do me a favor and put your Bibles down behind you, your iPads, your phones, whatever. And let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his word. Would you do that? Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I love this story. This story is so incredible. It's powerful. I've, I've preached this story so many times in my life. I wish uh, I could take a special offering today and we could figure out how many times it's been. I would take $5 for every time I've preached this story. It's that powerful. It's, it's that good. Like I've heard it preached all my life about Peter walking on the water. But this is usually the context of how it goes. Peter steps out by faith. He tried and he failed. That's usually the context of how it's presented. That Peter sinks in the water and the Lord has to save him. But I, I want to help you understand some things today about walking by faith. Walking by faith is never easy. Walking by faith is always contrary to your flesh. If God is ever going to do anything great in your life, you're going to have to take a chance at some point in your walk with God and take the risk of trusting God and believe that he really can do what he said he would do. If I could agree with Peter in any way in this context of this narrative today, I would say to you this, I would rather sink trying to walk by faith than I would to stay in the boat and let Jesus pass me by. We're living in a time right now where the window is so small to see the glory of God revealed in the earth. I don't know whether everybody in the church world realizes what's going on or not, but we better wake up and realize that there is an opportunity that's passing us by. We're not looking at the darkness in the world. We're not looking at all the wrong things that are happening. We're not looking at wars and rumors of wars. We're looking up because our redemption draweth nigh. We're in a window of time, I believe right now, that the coming of the Lord is imminent and we have a window to do great things for God and I would rather sink trying to have revival than I would to stay in the boat and talk about it I know sometimes we think the safest place to be is in the boat but the safest place to be is in the will of God I will say that in my life I, I, I used to teach and preach often that fear and faith do not coexist. That's pretty tough preaching. When you have to live in a lifestyle where you feel fear and faith together. 
I, I, I do believe that, that it is possible for fear and faith to coexist. And I believe that we have biblical precedent that belief and unbelief coexist. Because when the man came to Jesus, he reveals the human factor of who he is. And he says, I need you to touch my son. And the Lord said, well, how long has it been like this? He said, since he was a kid. He said, okay. And he talks to him about his faith. And the man says this. He said, Lord, I believe. But help thou my unbelief. This is not a bad man because there's unbelief in his life. It's the human factor that's trying to connect with the deity factor. It's the ability to understand that I don't know how God's going to do this. I can't see how he's going to bring us through this. But there's this hope inside of me that it doesn't matter how much tragedy comes along my way. I still believe somewhere deep inside of me that God is able to do this. How many of you would have the faith to say today, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I still believe he can. I want to tell you that as a leader in the church, I have had to take steps of faith that caused me to be afraid. I've heard it preached that if your vision doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. That's true. One year ago, we took a step of faith and we started PCA full time in this church. Not having any clue how in the world we were going to do it. And you precious people stepped up to the plate and you gave. You made a way that God made a way through you. That we could have a full-time school in this church. Giving people the opportunity to pull their children out of all the chaos and the craziness in this world. And put them in an environment where five days a week they're hearing the goodness of the Lord. And, and, and the faith of, of the church and the faith of the word of God. I thank the Lord for PCA. I thank the Lord for what he's doing through our school. I thank God for the families that he's touching. I thank God for the harvest that's coming through the school. But understand me when I tell you that it's really not faith if it doesn't scare you. Well, I, I just, I don't know, Pastor. I, I, I kind of feel like that if you've got fear at all, then you don't have faith. Do you honestly believe that Abraham walked three days carrying the wood, walking with his son, looking at the mountain? Knowing what God spoke to him, knowing that he's going to have to climb the mountain. And then Isaac looks at him and says, where's the sacrifice? I can tell you, not as a pastor, not as a church leader, I can tell you as a daddy, you don't answer those questions without fear. There was some fear in the heart of that man when he looked at Isaac and said, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide the sacrifice himself. God can do this. But listen to me. The importance of obedience has got to be greater than the fear that tries to overwhelm you when you step out by faith. Abraham, we see something in Hebrews that we really don't see in the Old Testament. But Hebrews said that Abraham believed God so much that he believed that God could resurrect Isaac if he had to resurrect Isaac in order for the promise to be fulfilled. I'm preaching to a group of people here today that believe no matter how he does it, God can do it. I've looked the last, the last few weeks as all the chaos ensues in, uh, in the Ukraine. All, man, it's just been insane. It's been crazy. 
the things that have been happening and, and the families, you know, that are hurting and so much pain and, and uh, worried a little bit about what was going to happen there. You know, God's got a church there. God's got a church there. There are people there. And, and so I got to thinking about all this craziness and all the stuff that's been happening. It's like, man, this is just so wild. And if you're not careful, you'll start looking at things like everything is sinking. Your focus is on Peter who's trying to do something for God, sinking. Like, if you're not careful, you'll get really pessimistic and everything you look at is sinking. Maybe I'm just preaching to me. I try to be optimistic, but my glass is not always half full. Sometimes I need to go to the fountain when it's half gone and put a little something back in it. You know what I'm saying? And so I've been looking, and this week uh, we had a powerful men's conference. And uh, I'm glad for all the men that got to go and thank the Lord for that. Amen. Um, but I want to tell you about some things, and uh, I want to be very careful how I do this because I know that there are people that are always watching, and you don't ever know exactly how to say things, but there was a gentleman, I'll say this to you men that were there, there was a gentleman that addressed us the other night that's been working. His family is connected to the Ukraine. You've, you've heard the stories, but I want to tell you some other things about this. If you're not careful, you'll look at everything like it's sinking, right? Everything's just a sinking, like there's no way. Several months ago, when, when the United States pulled out of Afghanistan, we were like, oh, Lord, what, what in the world's going on? Like, this is, this is crazy. What's, what's happening? What's going to happen, right? And there was a lot of chaos and a lot of negativity surrounding all of that, a lot of craziness. Well, I want to tell you that we have missionaries in every country of the world except for seven. One of those countries was Afghanistan. And... It's very access challenge. It's very hard to get there. But I want to tell you what happened. In the chaos of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, it created a vacuum of space that made it easier to cross the border. And there was a certain gentleman that some of you may have heard speak that was able to cross the border into Afghanistan and make some contacts with some people and talked to these people, and God began to fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they were baptized in Jesus' name, only to find out, we thought all this time, Bishop, that we don't have anybody there, we don't have a missionary there, only to find out that God has had a remnant of people in that nation for years that have been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. If you're not careful, you'll look at everything that's sinking. But I want to tell you, sometimes God has to make moves in order for us to see he's been working all the time. All the time. We have, we have a church in Europe that for many years, it was very, uh, very difficult for them to uh, see any real kind of growth. And... They ste took steps of faith, obeyed God, got buildings acquired, which is not easy to do. It's very expensive. They got things in order and really just never got to see a lot of harvest. Well, when the Ukraine was invaded and people began to flee, these missionaries had the opportunity 
to gather in refugees into the building that God had provided for them. And now they have the opportunity to minister to these people and to get their hands on them and to love them. Well, like, what are you saying, Pastor? Are you supporting everything that's going on? No, I'm saying this. I'm not in control of any of it. And if I worry about it every single day, I can't fix any of it anyhow. I'm just going to pray that in the midst of the chaos of this world, that God will get the glory for everything that happens. God is always going to have a plan. And God always has people. And God's always going to have a church. I know we're blessed because nobody on the way to church today. You may have had to dodge a few potholes, but you didn't have to dodge machine guns and you didn't have to dodge weapons of mass destruction and you didn't have to dodge tank busters. But there is a little something you need to know that in a, in a nation and in, a, in cities where there are rockets and bullets and guns and, and all kinds of weapons that are destroyed. I, I want to tell you something right now. There is an apostolic church in Ukraine today that's having a move of God in the midst of the chaos. They're not waiting on the chaos to go away. They're going to have revival in the middle of the chaos. This is kind of the way I feel about this, Lord. You can take the storm, or you can leave me in the storm, but I'll trust you in the storm as much as I'll trust you when the storm's over. At some point, you just got to, if I could say it like this, some point, you just got to pull up your big boy britches and trust God. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to trust God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to work for the Lord. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I think about this all the time. I don't know if I'll live. I hope I do if the Lord don't come back. I hope I'm like a cool 100-year-old dude. My kids tell me, like, Dad, you're going to be a cool old man. Like, it's a good thing. I've been waiting on it. You know, like, I want to be, I want to be an old, I got, I got some feelings about this. Like, when, if the Lord doesn't come back, and I think he's going to pretty soon. But if he doesn't, and I get to become an old man, I'm going to break all the rules. I am. I'm going to do. I'm going to break all the rules. I'm. I'm going to have them have testimony service. And then my dad used to say this after 474 testimonies had gone forth. He would say, "Okay, nobody stand. Nobody else stand. That's when I'm going to stand." I am. I'm going to wait until the ushers come to take the offering and they're all finished and they go to count and I'm going to go to the counting room because I'm going to be like a cool old bishop and they're not going to be able to stop me and I'm going to go knock on the offering counting door. I'm going to wait till they got it all counted and I'm going to throw two $1 bills in there and say, guys, you're off two bucks. I'm going to do it. But the truth of the matter is I don't know if I'm going to get to live to be an old man. None of us are promised tomorrow. None of, none of us are promised the next breath that enters into our lungs. So I made up my mind. I'm going to give God everything I can give him with every breath that's in my body. I'm going to preach until I can't preach anymore. I'm going to tell this world about Jesus until I can't tell them anymore. I'll sing until I run out of breath. I'm going to be faithful every time the doors are open to the house of God. 
There were a lot of people two years ago that said, I'll go next Sunday. And when next Sunday came, they couldn't get there. <laughs> and I won't tell you but I've, who they are, but I've talked to some other pastors that said some of those people are still saying next Sunday. Praise God. Why would, we, why would we go and we can just stay home and watch it online? Come on now. I sure hope the Lord doesn't decide to come on some Sundays. Like Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I've, I've even heard stories, Pastor Blaine, about pastors bribing people with donuts on daylight savings time. I don't know. Whatever you have to do. But understand me today, folks. Listen, I feel like God deserves my very best. I don't feel like God deserves my leftovers. I don't feel like I ought to go to my workplace and give them 100%. But get up on Sunday morning and say, ah, I think I'll just wait till next week. Or come and give God 20%. I thank God for the ability to pay my bills and take care of all of that stuff. But I, I know where my help comes from this morning. I want to be faithful to the house of God. And when I get here, I don't just want to watch everybody else get blessed. Every now and then, I just want to stand to my feet and raise my hands and say, Lord, I thank you for your mercy today. It's because of you that I'm here. It's because of you that I feel what I feel. It's because of you that I exist. And I give you all the praise. I give you all the praise. So you can look at everything like it's sinking if you want to. But I choose to come here on the days that nobody's chasing me with tanks. I choose to come here when I can come here with no masks and nobody standing at the door with guns. And, woo! I choose to be here today. Because there may be a day in our lives that it's a lot harder to get here than we think it is. But you know what? If you won't work hard to be faithful to God right now. You won't work hard to be faithful to God then. There's too many people in the world that are, I call them apocalyptic heroes. They're, they're waiting on Armageddon to hit before they do something for God. Don't wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you right now, if they hold a gun to my head and tell me you're going to deny Christ or we're going to shoot you, I, I'm not going to deny him then. I don't, ever, I don't believe you'll ever die for something you won't live for right now. You know that, that, that Daniel did not wait till he got to the king's table to decide he wasn't going to defile himself with the king's meat and the king's wine. He made that decision before he got to the table. And I'm saying to you, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I hope you come before there's any kind of trouble. I hope you come before there's any kind of chaos. But if you don't, Lord, there's something you need to know about me. It doesn't matter if the whole world around me is sinking. I'm going to stand for you. Come tribulation, come storm, come hell or high water. I'm going to serve the Lord I'm going to love you with all my heart my soul, my mind and my strength I was watching a preaching clip this week of a precious man of God I've been fortunate to connect with his family but I, I, I listened to this, this man preaching just a few short years ago Dad, this, this man was preaching some of the most impactful messages that I've ever heard in my life uh, in, incredible preacher, just a wordsmith, powerful preacher. And out of nowhere, just all of a sudden, his family started noticing some things were, were odd. Saying things 
different, forgetting things. And just, I, I'm not talking about an old man. I mean, a, a young, middle-aged man pastoring a very successful church, preaching meetings all over the world, like uh, unbelievable, only to find out that he has this rare form of dementia that like it just it it doesn't wait till you're 85 it just boom like that and I'm sitting here watching this video of this man preaching such powerful powerful principles and it's my understanding now that his children will walk in the room sometimes and he doesn't even know who they are and I'm like Lord I, I hope I don't ever I hope I don't ever get there I, I, hope, I hope that doesn't happen to me. I, I, that, that doesn't mean that there's sin in somebody's life and that God's judging them. Man, get off that train. I'm just saying, I hope it never happens to me. But if something terrible like that ever comes to my family, I want it to be said that I preached until I couldn't preach anymore. That I loved people as long as I knew. Listen, I don't care if they're the town drunk or if they're a rich man or they're a poor man or they're a homeless man on the street. I want to love people. As long as I'm cognizant to love people, I want to love people. I want to love people. I think it's a a worthy investment, Brother Danny Lane, to go into the prison and pour our hearts out for people in prison. How many people have you seen baptized in prison? Almost 500 people that he has personally baptized in prison. I, well, they deserve what they're getting. Don't we all? The Apostle Paul said, and such were some of you. You can be seated. <laughs> Hey, none of us are perfect, but we all can testify today of the mercy of the Lord. I thank God that at times in my life when I have fallen down, the world looks at my failure, but I'm looking up at a hand that's reaching down to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. I don't know. I don't know why God's so good to me. I don't know why God's so good to this church. But while, while he's good to us, Brother Stephen, thank you for that word this morning. Don't forget God while the getting's good. Don't forget God while you're living in houses you didn't build and eating from venues you did not plant. Don't just call on the Lord when all hell is breaking loose in your life. Every now and then we just got to stop and say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I'm glad this morning that somebody didn't forget God on Sunday. Peter is, he's in this precarious situation now where he has stepped out by faith. And man, I've been here before where you step out by faith and you're like, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a step. And, And just as you step out by faith, the Bible said he notices, he recognizes the storm around him. Now, God, if I'm going to take a step of faith, the least you could do for me is take the trouble away. Wouldn't that be nice? Lord, I'm going to take a step of faith, so I'm just asking you, if you would, Lord, to let this storm just go away. But the scripture said in verse 30 that when he saw, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. 
Follow me now. We've got scriptural precedent. He's walking by faith, but he's afraid. I trust God. I believe God can, but I'm afraid. And so now you're in the struggle, but like the wrestling match. We don't see it recorded. It's not there. There's really no way for us to, to even know the conversations that are going on. But I just want to tell you, I feel like that in the boat he just got out of, there's some boys gasping in there. <gasps> you just kind of know if, they're, if there's anything like, them, like, like, like me, if they're anything like me, somebody is shouting out saying, Oh, Lord, don't let him sink. Oh, no, he's going down. See, that's what you get for trusting God. They're elbowing one another. In the boat. See, he's a dummy. I knew it. I, I told him he shouldn't do it. I, I'll never forget being stuck on the elevator in Israel. The elevator stopped between floors. He's not here for me to pick on him today, but let me just tell you something. I've traveled the world with Jeremy Lang. Don't let him pick hotels. We've stayed in beautiful American cities in hotels with no hot water. I'm like, bro, you don't have to stay where they leave the light on for you everywhere you go. Some of the places that joker makes you stay when they turn the light on, roaches run. I'm like, hey, dude, just because you were a missionary in India for eight years don't mean I'm a missionary. <laughs> and we're staying in this place on the wrong, the wrong side of Jerusalem. Let me just say that. Yeah. It's the wrong side of Jerusalem. Like, once the sun sets, you're probably better off to just visit in the hotel lobby. My, my folks were on that trip, and they can tell you we were sitting... We were sitting uh, with our windows open in the hotel one night, and kind of across the way, just right up the road there. We're sitting there visiting. Pow, 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 pow. I'm like, whoa. What in the world was that? Like, Lang's got us in the Compton of Israel. <laughs> and so we get on this elevator, and, and, and you just have to know Nate Whitley. But it's me and Stephen Gill and... Josh Wilson and Brother Fairbanks. and Then Nate Whitley says, it's too full, guys. Don't get on. It's too full. Don't get on. So we all, like a bunch of stupid teenagers, pram the elevator because we don't want to wait four more minutes. And this elevator starts in... Door's not opening. And I look back. I got a picture of this. If you want to see it, it's on my social media. I look back. Nate Whitley's got his arm up on the wall like this. We're all crammed in there. And the picture doesn't speak. I wish it was video. Because he's in there shaking his head. I told you guys. I told you. I told you. I told you we shouldn't have got on here. I told you we shouldn't have done this. And I'm like, I know people like that. Every time you take a step of faith. Now, I'm not saying that I had faith in the elevator, but I've, and I'm not saying Nate Whitley don't have faith, so don't, don't, don't misunderstand me, although he had none right then. 
Zero. That sucker was ticked off. I wish I could make that video, that, that picture make noise. He had that arm propped up. I told you. I told you. I told y'all we shouldn't have got on here. And so we slide the doors open. And the floor is right here in front of us. We're, we're betwixt and between. And some of them jokers have been eating too much falafel. They, they weren't crawling through there. But some of us made it, didn't we, Brother Stephen? Hey, listen. I know it's funny, but I'm being honest with you. Every time you take a step of faith in your life, there's always going to be somebody that says, I can't believe you did that. I told, I told you not to do that. I, I told you. See, now you're going to fall flat on your face. But Peter had an understanding that the church needs to get. It's a powerful revelation. Peter was not on trial. Jesus was on trial. Because Jesus said, come. And when Jesus says, come, you just got to know, he's never going to leave you hanging. If Jesus says, come, Jesus is going to take care of you. Woo! I, this, is, this is a moment that we've all had to be in. That you take the step of faith and you're not sure how it's going to happen. But you know that you got to trust God. Now this is the part of the story that nobody ever preaches. We always get focused on the fact that Peter tried and Peter failed. But the scripture said in verse 32, I love this. This is so wonderful and we don't ever talk about it. And when. Who? They, you mean that his failure wasn't the end of the story? Peter got back up on top of what was trying to sink him and walked with Jesus back to the boat. Some of you feel like you're about to go under this morning, but God is trying to lift you up out of what's been trying to hold you down. And you're going to get back on top of that water and you're going to walk back into the boat with Jesus. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that your comeback is going to be greater than your setback. I'm saying that your get up is going to be greater than your mess up. And his reach down is always greater than my fall down. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. But he's calling us in this hour. Get out of the boat and trust me. You've got to trust me. I know the storm is boisterous. I know the wind is loud. I know there's a lot of chaos in the world. But I'm not going to let you sink. My hand is upon you. I've seen God work too many times for you to convince me that he stopped working. As I come to a close today, I want to tell you that there's a lot of people in this world who choose to believe that God just can't do what he used to do. But you're looking at a man who believes with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength today that we haven't seen the greatest moves of God we're going to see. Our greatest moves are not behind us. Our greatest moves are in front of us. Our greatest revivals are in front of us. Our greatest harvest is in front of us. Oh, but pastor, what are we going to do about Russia? Russia's going to have revival too. There's a church there. What are we going to do about Ukraine? There's a church there. What are we going to do about Afghanistan? There's a church there. Our comeback is greater than the setback. Let's stand together.
But I think perhaps, Pastor, the problem that you don't realize today is that really my failure is so much greater than anybody else in this room. Hey, listen. Don't you let somebody dressed up in Sunday best fool you. There's a lot of people in this room that look like they've got it all together. But I can pick on them because they love their pastor. And I'm going to tell you that some of these folks, the first time we met them, they didn't look like they look right now. Come on now. There's a man in this church tickles me to death. Talking about the first time, one of the first times he came to this church. He said he got nervous. And he had to smoke a blunt on the way so that he could be relaxed. <laughs> but you know what? I've seen that. I've seen that power of God work in lives like that where they can reach out to somebody that's where they are and saying, hey, look. I know what you've been doing for peace of mind for the last 25 years. But your get up is about to be so much greater than your mess up. God is reaching for somebody in this house today. That the enemy has tried to convince you that it's over because you failed. Well, let pastor, can, can I give you the official welcome to the club? Welcome to the club. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, when I say we've all backslid, I don't mean we've all left church for six months at a time. But I'm telling you, I can promise you that everybody in this place that's ever been filled with the Spirit of God has had days where they weren't firing on all eight cylinders. You may not have went back to a bar stool, but you sure went to some places in your mind. That if you'll let the enemy, he'll beat your brains out spiritually over it. He'll tell you there's no hope for recovery. He'll tell you there's no way out of this thing. But I've come with good news today. If you'll just look up in what you're sinking in right now, there is a hand that's reaching down to you. And his hand can reach further down than you could ever sink. I'm glad he brought me out of a terrible pit. I'm glad that he picked me up and set my feet on a solid rock. I'm glad that he turned my mourning into dancing and my sorrow into joy today. If you're here in this house and you know about mercy, I wonder if you could just help me give God praise right now. Step out from where you are. I want to encourage somebody in this room today. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. Let Jesus reach down to where you are today. Pastor, I wasn't raised like this. I don't have a family that lives for God. My dad didn't bring me to church. My mom didn't bring me to church. I wasn't raised in the church. Well, here's the good news today. You're the curse breaker. <laughs> because you can bring your kids to church. And you can bring your grandkids to church. Yeah, but my dad, my, my, my dad was a terrible alcoholic and I feel that come on me. Yeah, but his blood is greater. His blood is greater than addiction. He is able today. Can we have a transparent moment in here? I just want to see the hands of everybody in this room that God has set you free from addiction in your life. Look around this room. Just leave your hands up for just a second. Look around this room. 
Oh, but nobody's ever been as addicted as you. That's the story the devil wants you to believe. But his mercy endures forever. Lord Jesus, I pray all across this room right now that by your spirit and your power from wall to wall, from the platform to the parking lot, that you would minister to hearts and lives of precious people in this room. God, you see every failure. You know every fault. There is no secret that's hidden from you. And yet you are still not intimidated. Lord, you love us beyond our failure. And the price that you paid on Calvary is great enough to pick us up out of our faults and our failures and reestablish our going. Lord, I pray for those that are, are, are in need of courage today to repent of their sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, Lord, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I pray right now, Lord, that you would minister to them in their hearts and their souls and their minds. I pray in Jesus' name that your perfect strength would invade our weakness right now and show us your mighty power. Lord, help us to know today that the devil is a liar and the truth is not in him. And everything he says about us, your word says the opposite, Lord. He's telling us to give up today, but you're saying you're just getting started. He's saying that it's over and you're saying, but my mercy is just now touching them. I pray today, God, for your strength to elevate us, to raise us up as we reach our hands to you, Lord. There may be those under the sound of my voice right now, Lord, that feel like they're sinking even now at this present moment. But may we recognize the almighty hand that's reaching down in the midst of our failure and bringing us up and the thing that tried to sink us. We're going to walk on back to the vessel. In the name of Jesus. Let's give God thanks for his touch today. Let's give him thanks for his mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's beautiful. Let's love the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus.